Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Nikki. And you're listening to Through the Thick and Thin Red Line. A podcast intended to shed light on firefighter issues inside the firehouse and outside the firehouse. We're definitely not mental health professionals or have any professional training or certification in mental health. But we do have experiences. So if you're intending to use this for the sole purpose of entertainment or just to relate to an issue that you may be encountering, we're here for you. We hope that you enjoy this and it's going to be great. That's exactly how we're going to start this, Paul. Okay, that's fine. And so you're right, it's fine. So just a little, it's not that, is it that time of the year yet, Paul? Time of the year for what? For this. It's that time of year, Paul. Come on. It's that time of year. Just let him have it. Send it. Fine. <laughs> Give the children what they want. The children don't know what this is. You're right, the children don't know what this is. When you make love... <laughs> Do you look in the mirror? Who do you think of? Does he look like me? Here's the hook. <laughs> do you tell lies? And say that it's forever? Do you think twice? We'll just touch and see. Give it to me. Ooh, babe! Oh, I love it. All right. <laughs> We're not putting that on there. No, just absolutely, one hundred percent. We're putting that on there. That's it's the whole point. Too late point. to edit it out. No, it's way too late. I don't have good editing material. People are listening way. to this shit already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we got Paula here, and we got Thomas Hart, and we got Lucio. We have myself, and we have a little bit of an audience. I don't know she doesn't want to mention names. We'll just keep her out. Anyway, it's HR. It's HR. <laughs> uh, we'll call this Gentlemen's Hour. Even though it'll probably run like an hour and a half to two hours, depending on the shit that we talk about today. Two hours? Well, we may. What if I have to use the bathroom? Well, I can press pause. Okay. Does Lena know you're going to be here this long? Well, I'm going to text her right now and tell you that. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> What's up, fellas? What's up? We're only only one smoking a cigar. Yeah. Um, well, I need, I need to open this one. Sounds good. Paul, um, I really want this podcast to start with what you said. And then we yeah, by the way, who did the tile work in that bathroom <laughs> back there? Which one? The green one? The the one that I just used earlier. I came, I came down this hallway because whoever did that did an outstanding job. You're being serious. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. That was here when I bought the house. Yeah, they knew you, what they were doing. The next time you got to take Tell a me leave. you're an older firefighter without telling me you're an older yeah, that's, firefighter. Yeah, that's... That's the shit that matters, right? Like, Tile. Yeah. Tile. We're, I'll we're, tell you what, though. You're, what you're, what you're, what's really going to fuck you up is if you go down that hallway into that bathroom, there is a deliciously looking mint green tile from like 1964, because I know you're about the patina, and that is down that hallway. So the next time you got to <laughs> pop one off, it's down in that hallway. How many I'll times look, have you heard I'll go look Paul at say, it, it's got a patina about it? Yeah, I do say that a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a very useful word mm-hmm. because it's, it resonates so much better than just saying it has a way about it mm-hmm. or that person has an air about them. 
you figuring that out there, Thomas? Yeah. You got it? Got yeah, it. Yeah, just don't, don't point it out. So I wanted to get uh, all of us together. Um, Nikki's going to take a little bit of time off, and I figured that I fill this, uh, this time that we have in between episodes with you three. Um, basically, so I saw this post a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago. I saw this post a couple of weeks ago, and right as soon as I read it, right as soon as I shared it, uh, Paul over here, of course, the brains of this operation... I'm... <laughs> That's your boss. <laughs> um, had thro- thrown up. He says, "Mike, you should make really make a podcast about this post." And it was what was this, Paul? Ten things or forty things? Yeah, it's. Uh, you know, what was no, it? no, ten, twenty things or ten things you should know by the time you hit forty. Yeah, by the age of forty, you should be smart enough to realize this. Mm-hmm. And it was actually 15 things. Yeah, I don't even know if we want to go through all 15 we don't have things. To, we but I think, it, I think they're really good topics. Yeah. Because I don't think that this gets discussed enough. Because there is absolutely a metamorphosis that happens from the time that you start in the fire service to the point where you're talking with somebody that you've known for 20 years about the tile in their bathroom. Right. <clears throat> and, and maybe... If I can interject, Paul, how many years do you have in the fire service? Um, so I've been doing EMS for in first response for 19 years, and I've been in this department for 14. Mike, 17 or 18. Okay. Yeah, in this department, 12. Lucio. Yeah, 13, and then I think about five. And volunteer, and then in the hospital setting. So almost 20 years of medical service. Cool. And I have 18. 18? Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. So we got some years here. And um, I think what Mike was talking about is that over that period of time, what bec- what's important to you completely uh, turns itself on its head. Um no, absolutely. And I think that's worth having a conversation about. And that's what I told them. So one of the one of the things, and you guys are on forties, right? So to people not listening, that's exactly what it means. It's the normal day to day work schedule, forty hours a week. Something that I couldn't fucking do, no matter how much you bother me about this, Paul. I'm my back still holding up, my brain still holding up. I'm not ready for that life yet. But I am your guy on the streets, and you damn well know that every Monday morning when I call you and bother you. But what I do know is. Maybe you guys have seen it, maybe you haven't, um, or maybe you've experienced it sometimes when you go throughout the stations, but this younger generation, for lack of better terms, I don't know if it's because we're getting older, or they're just getting younger, but I'm going to go with the fact that we're getting older, but I do not remember myself as laden to maturity. And there's a huge difference, and and you can talk to the older guys too that are older than us. And it's a different generation. It's more of a coddling. It's more of a sensitivity issue that some of us some of us face. So when we get together, we're just we can bust each other's balls down till there's no nutsack left. I don't know if we can do that necessarily with them. Would have you guys have that experience? So th- there definitely is. 
as you make your way through the fire service, you notice that the younger generation that comes in, there's a, a variance in the culture and it changes a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more every time until the type of personality that you're encountering in that younger generation isn't something that you recognize. Right. You, Thomas, have you had any occurrences with this? What the fuck? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it's the same. No, um, yeah, for sure. There's definitely been a shift in, like, uh, the new gen generation's, um, way less salty right mm -hmm. well and not that we encourage that either right yeah yeah so we encourage motivation we encourage drive we encourage innovation Look, and that and that and and all those good components right my opinion would be more like um the older uh generations of the fire service used to hire like dudes that um wanted to provide for their families and uh they were like construction workers that like land them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue collar that like land this great career and they're like, I'm going to try the fire service. And um, they're like, oh my God, nah, I work for the fire department. Now I have a career and mm -hmm. insurance and now I can provide for my family. But they were like, you know, construction dudes that like. What did you do before you got in? Construction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. So you already knew the, the quote unquote man language. Yeah, sure. How to be. Yeah. I was already like accustomed to like the salty life and like dudes that had like a dark humor and, mm -hmm. um, and work was work. And then you went home and you were like a tough, hardened kind of like salty kind of guy. And on the contrary, and I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not taking stabs. You sung. I mean, you did a good goddamn job of that right now. We have a, well, actually it wasn't that good, but I haven't sung professionally in 20 years, but there's a lot of diversity here at the table. Mm -hmm. um, and, but something that's fairly common is that all of us came into here with some experience already. Um, volunteer, so understanding that culture already, we came into that understanding that culture. But also, I think it's worth mentioning that especially since the 90s, we have seen a significant breakdown of the family unit here right. in the United States. And the, the rhetorical question is, what does that do to a person? And uh, especially when you're talking about uh, a young man being brought up in today's society that maybe doesn't necessarily have everything that that individual needs to fully blossom into the type of person that we would uh, come to expect right. that, that would be sitting here at the table with us. Uh, for breakfast or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's also a big generational thing. I, we we understand that when we came in, it was very different, right? And again, blue collarists. Um, but we were able to go back and forth, jab back and forth, right? That was just the way that we learned, kind of tough, tough love kind of thing, right? So I, I think it's a little different now, for sure. Um, being a little more kind with the choice of words that you have, but, uh, still the same concept. I don't think it's the same delivery though. That's for sure. Right. Um, different generation. Absolutely. I have a feeling that if I were to bring the younger generation in here, we'd be face, they'd be Facebooking. Wouldn't be able to have this conversation. 
Yeah. yeah, Facebook I mean, is an old person's platform. You're absolutely right. <laughs> that's well, what we would be doing. They'd be dancing on TikTok. <laughs> shit. Well, and so that, that's the other thing. It doesn't matter whether or not you're you're applying for a job at McDonald's or you're applying for a job at uh, at uh, um, Ace Hardware or you're applying for a job at the fire service or you're applying for a job at a, a newspaper company somewhere. Um, an oral interview is an important part of that. Right. And um, if you're 18 years old and we're asking you questions about teamwork, <laughs> we're asking you questions about, think about a time that you had a difficult uh, a co-worker that you had to work with and how did you resolve that conflict, like conflict resolution, right? you know, <clears throat> and things thing. like that. Um, how do they draw, what do they have to draw upon when right. it comes to even answering that question? And, um, and so can you teach that? That's a very hard, uh, it's a hard fucking question. That's a very hard question. So, uh, one of the things that I think that is going on here, uh, that Mike alluded to earlier is, um, he, he let the cat out of the bag really early because he's proud of me. But yeah, in my, the first 20 years of my life, I was an entertainer. And when I, when I left the business, I was a professional opera singer in San Francisco. Um, so over that time, I really got into, I had a lot of theater classes. I was comfortable being in front of a large group of people, talking on the fly and things like that. So those types of issues are not difficult for me. But we weigh very heavily on that in the fire service when we're testing somebody. And so... I wonder if the person that is more successful at getting a job in the fire department is a person that has been through some of those things. Like I know how many times I had to try, I, I, I went over here, I was in Phoenix, I tried at San Francisco, Tucson several times, all that type of stuff. All the while, I'm continuing to work, gain experience, learn with people, think about myself, what things mean to me in order to draw upon that and actually answer those questions. Um, and I think that life experience makes it easier to answer those questions. But the funny thing about that is that you walk down the hall and you see somebody and you're like, man, did I know nothing when I got in the fire department? And to think back that long ago is hard. Um, it's just like when you were in high school and then you're a senior and you're like, man, the freshmen look like they're getting younger and younger and younger. Well, I have my ideas about that going on right now. <clears throat> the fact that my son still looks like he's eight and he goes to school with women who look like they're girls who look like they're 25. I have my, it's, it's foil hat shit, Paul, but keep going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, why don't we, why don't we go off no. of one of these questions here? Yeah. So before we do that in the, um, the tradition of through the thick and thin line, let's rewind a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I have the question of the week. It's something Nikki and I always do last week's question though. You don't need to tap the cigar that hard. Darn. Have a little ash at the end. It's gonna. I know it, it's the mic. I'm, I'm no, ruining the I, sound here. It I promotes. Get it. it promotes the the, the, the No, I actually like that because I just don't that, want that, it on That's top real. Of the clink of a of a, of a glass <laughs> on the table. Right. No, the clink is, is fine. It's, it's fine. Okay, I wanted nice. to address that. Like, three of the four of us are smoking cigars, and. Um, so if my words are a little slurred, it's because of that. You're having a stroke. Got you. It's a stroke. Okay, cool. No, got you. Um, so the question of the week, usually Nikki and I, we we come up with some like on-the-spot cheese ball questions and stuff like that. 
So you've always heard the age-old question, hey, if you could go back and tell yourself something about yourself or something you would change, what would it, what would it be, okay? The different spin on this one is the person that we are right now, if you could go and tell your future self something about yourself, what would it be? And I would like to start by saying I listened to your last two podcasts yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, back to back and Mike I would like to ask you to go first is this because you have no clue how to answer this question that's why you're having me go first (laughs) give me the example so the only thing that I could probably tell myself (laughs) is I would pat myself on the back and say there was never not a moment that you gave 100% and you were not yourself and you can die peacefully knowing that that's it. That's it. I love that. Yeah. I do. And I read somebody's coffee cup the other day that says um, something like, I hate to ruin the ending, but it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love that saying. I, mm-hmm. I see that coffee mug in our office daily, and I'm, I'm just like reminded like, yeah, holy shit, you're right. No matter what happens at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. It will. And, and, and if love. it's and if it's not tomorrow's going to be a, a different repeat of today. Sure. You got a second shot. Yeah. Um, you're you, also... Lucio. That's a that's a heavy question. That's about as heavy as I am. Yeah, that's a heavy question. But uh, and ultimately, I think uh, my main focus has really been not only just, of course, work and whatnot, but truly family. Right. Mm-hmm. So, no matter what we're doing now. You know, everything will continue. We talk about that in the fire service. Things will continue whether you're here or not. We see people retire, new people in those positions. The work will always be there. People will always be there to fill it. But the most important thing is the family aspect. So continue to focus on your family, right, is is the biggest thing that I know that I want to do. Mm-hmm. So, And in the end is did you give, you know, give more to the family, making sure that that's the main focus. <clears throat> Uh, one of the quotes that I read the other day mm-hmm. on Facebook, the old man's platform. Oh man, tell you what. The only people who are going to remember how much you worked in 20 years is going to be your kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be pictures on the wall at the fire station. Right. And you said nobody's this... going to know the crap who that, that <laughs> handsome, bald guy was it was Norman? Wall. It was Norman Cox oh, for no. us. We don't even have pictures <laughs> in our academy. So Nobody's gonna we'll just have a name. But that's the point you know? I'm making. Is that in, in in 20 years, um, the entire changeover of who was in the fire service is done. Mm-hmm. Everybody, when I retire, that was in the fire department when I got here, when, on the day that I retire, will be gone. Um. And then I'll be that person. Every single person I knew in the fire department. Yeah, but Paul, those memories are going to be like stuck on a wall somewhere. Um, but and nobody's going to know who that person is. Sure, but in ten years, like they're going to have to be like Paul Ford, and then they're going to have to like Google that or Facebook that. Oh, you can Google Paul Ford. Right? Have you seen what comes up on Google? Sure, but but my point is, is like in ten years, those pictures are not on the wall. The first link when it's, you when you type in Paul motherfucking Ford, <laughs> it's a link to X Hamster, 
Oh, and it, ta- but that's not this Paul Ford. It's another Paul Ford. But he, I like where you're going with this. But see, but see, it takes another different person, and I'll let you answer that question here in a bit, Paul. Not the ex hamster part, but the part that I'm talking to you about is when I look at. So if you go to six, right? You see these TRT guys. Sure. Right, and I'm like, yeah. I want. I, I want to know the story behind that. I yeah. wonder what kind of person yeah, yeah. that was. There's like, a lieutenant like, on Station Six's wall that I have never met in my life, but mm-hmm. I know that he's a hero. Right. Right? And in 10 years from now, those pictures of Paul Ford are not going to exist. Mm-hmm. Those pictures of Thomas Hart jumping in the river are not going to exist. If they want to know who Thomas Hart is, they have to look that dude up on Facebook. Right. Yeah. They have to know that like Thomas Hart was a bad dude... But like, well, that's his picture on Facebook, and then like, well, this is my assumption. Sure. That Thomas was a good dude. You said bad. Well, yeah, but that's what he meant, and and that that ties back to what (laughs) that ties back to what Lucio was saying is that in the end, as much as I hate to say that, none of this matters, Mm -hmm. and that everything goes back to your family. That's your le- that's your real legacy. Cheers yeah. to that. Yep. Cheers. You know what the scary thought is? <clears throat> I told a buddy of mine this line last night, and I said, we're like one generation away from us never being remembered what we did on this earth ever again. Mm-hmm. That's a scary fucking thought. Like, unless you're like an actor or like a famous musician, sorry to tell you, Thomas, you ain't gonna be shit. Yeah. You're, like your grandkids, sure. your grandkids may be like, I kind of remember them, and that's where it fucking ends. Yeah, it fucking ends right there. Yeah, I'm I'm a fireman because the stories my grandpa told me when he was a fireman, mm-hmm. right? And he gave like gory stories about like rescuing people and blah blah blah. There's no fucking Facebook posts about that, right? There's no pictures of him rescuing people out of like burning houses in some fucking fire hall. Somewhere, right? They don't exist. Like the only claim to fame for him is a story he gave me twenty-five years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily too Tom, uh, true, Tom. He taught you things. He was there. He made you into the person that you are. Uh, he gave you concepts, critical thinking. Um, grandpas are really important for that. Um, dads are really important for that. Mm-hmm. And although Mike says that after one generation, uh, the stories and what it is that you have, unless you sit down and you write a book about it, um, a lot of that ends up being lost. But what doesn't get lost yeah. is the stuff that you give your children um, about ethics and morals and the, the the decisions they make and the way that they are and the way that um and then other things that you wouldn't even think about like the way that you laugh uh the answers that you have to certain types of questions that stuff ends up living on and then gets passed again and gets passed again and passed again so you actually do have some ability to do things like that that's exactly that's exactly what i wanted to say paul and you hit it right on the head <clears throat> so yeah, our legacy in the fire service, get it, right? Mm-hmm. That's it, It's going to come and go, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. We're going to have an impact. We'll be able to help, you know, I think we. it's evident, right, with mobile integrated health. I mean, that's 
that's a, a step forward for our service, for the fire service in general, for our department, right? Those things will be legacies that will be left, but also something new for the for the rest of the guys, you know, years to come. Family, though, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Generations, generations, generations. They're going to carry on the things that you teach them, and that's what really is. Maybe it's just because we're older, right? We're older and wiser sitting here smoking some cigars, but that's really what, what matters, right? And then all of those life experiences, right? I just shared one with Josiah. I mean, we continue to do those all the time. We just had we had a really good one just yesterday, and we talk about it. We dissect it in helping him to mature into a, a good young man, and I hope that that carries on and it carries some weight, but that's a constant, right? So that's literally our legacy. Um, fire service, excellent, right? We leave our legacy. It's going to be remembered while we're here. Hopefully those same work ethics, the things that we do, carries on to the next generation. And I hope that is something that's, you know, at least for the fire service, that they see the same things, right? Yeah. And I think that it's probably, since you brought it up again, I think it's probably worth talking about for a minute because there's random people that work in the fire service that watch this stuff and they're probably wondering why there are three old firefighter medics that are on 40s. Um, <laughs> so we all work in uh, MIH, Mobile Integrated Healthcare, and we do case management for the fire department for at-risk individuals that and, call and, 911. And, and one that you're darn near short of uh, tossing hookers through his window for me to join your battalion of gentlemen over here. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll get there. Paul. I've, I've get tried there. to get, uh, get there, Mike Paul. to come in for exactly the reason that um, that Mike's able to do this type of stuff <laughs> is that Mike has the gift of gab, and when you're working with somebody that has tremendous ambivalence, that is a very, very important skill set. So, <laughs> What's your uh, answer to the question, Paul? Uh, oh, yeah. So I have a couple things. So the first one is I'd love to go back and tell myself not to go work on that master's degree. I feel like that was a tremendous amount of wasted time. If I just come back here and done what it is that I had done, I'd already be retired. But the other side of that is to understand that, and I know you love Back to the Future. I do. You start changing stuff and then... Uh, all of a sudden, I don't have my wife, the paradox. I don't have my kids, I don't have the house that I have, I don't have the relationship that I have with you three, right. like all of that. And so in the end, I wonder if the answer is don't change anything, just learn from it and move forward. And I think that that's really what the really defines the, the older firemen is um, there have been just as many mistakes as triumphs. Mm -hmm. Right? And we've learned things, and our job is to actually pass that on to other people. Because like I said before, we're not going to be here. Right. We're not going to be here. Um, there's people in the uh, that are in charge who got in after me and in, in our department, and it's crazy to mm -hmm. think about. But it's always moving. 20 years is nothing when you it's realize nothing. it. It's nothing. And so you have to constantly be educating everybody all the time. And that's really like, like yeah, we have training. Yeah, you know, this stuff's important and everything like that. But like the talks <laughs> in the back of the engine on the way to a call, you know what right. I'm no, talking about. Right. No, I know about. exactly what you're talking that about. Is those are the most important. Those are the most memorable parts. And so one of the things that I'm certain that I do, whether it's <clears throat> not necessarily an ass chewing or learning through sarcasm, but it's the directness. 
And every, even and a lot of those talks, I may even contradict myself on the way back from a call prior to that, but I'll make it blatantly clear to the new guy who's in the back as to the difference of questions of the difference of the choice of words, my sentiments towards that patient or the actions that I did because of the difference of dynamic in calls. And instead of having the new guy that's in the back that is thumbing through his phone, now is like the real time to discuss and for them to, to learn why we do what we do, how we do, what are these. And so another thing that, and maybe, yeah, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, um, a, a lot of a lot of the guys are coming out, and this is fine, you know, they're, they're new, but they, they have these little boxes in their head. They, they think on an algorithm-based type of mode of learning, and it's this call fits in this box. These questions correlate with box A, T, and V, and so they try to do this. The amount of versatility for them to make decisions and for them to communicate and do an investigative diagnosis, per se, is out the window at that point because it's not so much the, the lack of, of common sense, but it's more so the way training is presented to them and the literature that they're reading that they, they're almost robotic in placing these boxes in a perfect combination to get that final end result. And it's not like that. And the first time I had a conversation with somebody, they were blown away when I told them, get rid of that way of thinking. You're it, it, having things organized to such that degree in your head is almost self-destructive because you're going to have to change gears on a whim. This, this is an issue that I see. And so when Paul, like the most, like all of us here, we have that gift of gab. We know how to take a second and already have two or three extra options lingering in our head to get an end result or to get a step closer to a positive conclusion. And that's what I was going to say about that is that I actually like the box method. You've probably heard me talk about boxes before. I sure. talk about boxes when sure. it talks about things. I think the problem is not enough boxes okay. is really what it is. <clears throat> not necessarily just boxes, but life experience, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. I think that, yeah. that plays into a lot of things where you, you're putting in you're put into different scenarios and different situations and you got to change gears really quick. I think that's that's the thing, right? Not the a lot first of life thousand calls but... should be at least 950 different boxes. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah, but I also like, I feel like um, if you can like manage that situation in, in like the first five minutes, like you um, you figure out what the diagnosis is and then you like have your treatment plan like immediately when you walk in that helps so much yeah and as a good paramedic and you listen to um the lieutenants calling out like they take metoprolol right they take a beta blocker and then all of a sudden you're like oh well that explains why the patient's heart rate is 60 instead of 110 right yeah. right like you you just like assume these things and you like hear it um, and as a good paramedic, like you're listening to these things that, that, that the boxes get smaller, mm -hmm. right? And there's more of them. Yeah, 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 sure. And so those boxes are helpful, right? <clears throat> and I'm not shitting on that mode of thinking. Any mode of thinking is, is positive. 
as a, a, a novice, as a probie, as a rookie, because it's a basis for you to now grow. But when it habitually becomes robotic instead of just a conversation, the best move that I ever learned is to get that pelican box, put it between my legs and sit on it. Sure. And have yeah. a conversation. And listen. When I yeah, my, listen. My last probing <laughs> found it amazing that I did that. And I said, these last three calls, how many times have you opened up that pelican box? And he said, none. Zero. And I said, sit on it and just have a conversation. Yeah. Fuck me if he did it and talked this lady off of a ledge. Not yeah. a literal ledge, but yeah. was able to communicate because of how casual he was. I've seen so many new, like, new paramedics. Like, they're so fast to open the box and like start the IV and give a med. And I'm like, whoa, dude, like, slow down. Listen to what's going on with the, with the patient. With the client. Like, so this is one of the, like, what we're talking about here, this is actually something on my list, right? On growing out and branching off into a more mature <clears throat> firefighter, EMT, even as a person, to be more versatile in life and to be you. The the thing that I always tell my guys, my probies, when we're on scene is, they don't know you're a probie. They don't give a shit if you're the new guy. Right. You are not an observer. You're not... Uh, an Excel student, and they you don't are not, know you if are you're the, it. Yeah, right. You are in the person that makes the contact, right? The patient doesn't know whether or not the person that makes the contact is a basic, intermediate, or paramedic. They may not even think we have a medical license because they said, right. most of them. Well, my, <laughs> my house isn't on fire. Why the fire department? And that comes in with some. Some senior aspect, well, you know, when we work on the fire engine, we have medical licenses too, you know, one team, one goal. But this leads me to number seven on this list of things you should know by by the time you're 40. No one cares about you. Stop being shy, go out, and create your chances. That's where that comes into play. Mm -hmm. All of that. Yeah. I think The Rock said it, right? Like, grind in your 20s. Save in your 30s and live in your 40s. Right. Yeah. Another good one is uh, keep your standards high and don't settle for something because it's available. And and what's the number one thing that gets us all sometimes for a couple of years at work? Complacency. Simple complacency. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. With that, 40s is a great number. I can't remember the specific companies, but... A lot of companies, major corporations and whatnot, were started by individuals between like 35 and 45 years of age. That's sure. Yeah. So it's not new onset, entrepreneurship, whatever, but it's usually at that specific age. Why? Because of level of maturity, understanding right. a, an ultimate goal, and then building a, an empire based on life experience. But a lot of the bigger corporations were, were started by individuals at that age. The ones that were younger, of course, those are. It's not like it's impossible, but that's that's a good mature mature age. So, of course, much like any corporation, much like any business, at that age that started, <clears throat> one of the benefits for acquiring such a a base of employment so young is moldability. Is that word? Mm -hmm. Is that a word? Mm -hmm. Moldability. It is now. It is now. I'll tell you that right now. Um, is being able to mold that person to 
and give them the direction without question <laughs> as to what we want them to be and, yeah. and those standards of performance. Man, I got, I got some probies that come to mind when you talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they turn out good. You know what I mean? Like, like, right. like, and again, again, like I'm not shitting on them. No, this is just no, coming from older guys. And I was once there, I was once just walking yeah. around with I, my I, dick in my hand. Well, like, I think and that's I a understand, good thing to say. And I, and I understand that. <laughs> So there's part of me that empathizes, and then there's sometimes where I go into work and I want to, I want to pull my hair out, but there's times where I have to remember where were we at? Where were we at? Exactly. Okay. Yep. And I had a probie, uh, and I told the story before on one of the previous episodes, and he had asked me. He says, "You know, my 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 main concern is how I'm going to deal with dead people," and I said, "What are you talking about?" And he said, it's how I'm going to deal when I see a, a, a dead body. And I was like, oh, you, you, you've never fucking seen one. Yeah. But this, 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 that, that statement was, I was like, I've never heard of a person like this before. I was like, oh, that's not normal life for you. This isn't normal. This has been normal for me for like 15 years. <laughs> but none of this stuff that we do is normal life. No, it's and not. And people are never going to understand that. Um, I want to go back on what uh, number 13, uh, what you were talking about. Uh, don't settle for something because it's available. So um, I told myself I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'm just going to talk about it anyway. So there are really three, I'm going to categorize, I know we talked about boxes earlier. There are really three different reasons why somebody promotes in the fire department. And Tom, I know, and Lucio, you guys have heard me say this before. There's the person that wants more power. There's the person that wants more money. And then there is the person that feels like they have something to contribute. They have that knowledge, skill, and ability. I've always been very concerned about the person that wants more power, taking that position because they want that. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with somebody that's taking a position because they want more money as long as they have the knowledge, skills, and ability, and something to contribute. And the reason that I bring all this up is that you guys know that I have never, ever done anything in the fire department that I did not want to do, ever. And I think that that is really what it is that this is talking about. Keep your standards high and don't settle for something because it's available. Well, the promotions are always available. But is that what it is that you want? Does that serve you and your mission? Does that serve um, what, uh, the, the, what you bring to the table to contribute to your department and your family? You know, And I, I like to take those things into consideration, but I've always, um, and I don't think it matters what fire department you're talking about, there's always somebody that takes that position because of the power. And uh, that's a big problem. And I try to stay away from that personally, especially even though you know, when you're a, a 40 year old fireman and both your knees hurt, you got patellar tendonitis, you got herniated L5S1, all the same crap that everybody else has, right? <laughs> and, um, and you'd be tempted to be like, well, maybe I need to promote out of here. Stop stepping up and stepping out of an engine, stop putting that pack on and everything like that. But you have to think about like, what is the reasons that you want to do that and why? Because let's be serious. This is not a young man's. Uh, this is a young man's game. This is not an old man's game. 
at Old Farm and Die Hard. It's a young person's game, Paul. That, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. We have to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. What made you want to go to forties, oh, Bill? You, Thomas. What made you 40s. want to go to forties? Um, it's like, like, so I, so I, I see, I see, I see Paul in the venture that he wanted to go because he had talked about MIH for like the longest time. Yeah. But where was your point to where you, um, you said, because you just become driver, right? Like you, make, you had like a year, year sure. and a half as like driver, and then I was 16 like sixteen years in. Yeah. Um, with total fire service experience. I was part of the triple O program. Like I delivered Narcan to the um, opioid overdose people. And, oh yeah, yeah, with Allison, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that program. I I loved it. Um, but I messed up, and at some point I tested for driver. You know, and, you mess up. How was that a mess up? And I messed up. Messed up real bad. <laughs> and I made the list. Somehow. Those are words that don't go together. You right. messed up on a promotion. Got you. Yes. Okay, cool. And I um, somehow managed to make the list, and I did good enough to be able to promote. And um, and then I had to go back online, and I drove. It's at a very busy house, and I loved it. I, I um, still to this day miss it a lot. Um, driver is where it's at, right? Like we all know that. Like the driver paramedic spot is just really, really fun. Um, and then at some point, the opportunity became available to go back to forties and spend nights at home and uh, and weekends off. And I really just took advantage of that. Um, and so that's uh, that's why I'm on 40s. I love being home at night. Do you still find the challenge in your position? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As a mobile integrated like, health what, paramedic, well, yeah, not, not a like a community paramedicine. Yeah, not, like, and I, I mean, the, and I mean, the challenge is in like a motivating one, one that like gives you an opportunity to like excel in your skill set, learning something new every day. Um, sure, yeah, but also know that like I stop by the stations. Probably daily, hoping to catch the big call, yeah, and um, and jump that opportunity and like jump on the engine and go be like the hero and do like paramedicine level stuff. And you know what I like about you stopping by the stations? You well, not so much Lucio because he grabs my quad and jabs me in the ribs whenever he gets sure. a chance. It drives <laughs> me yeah, yeah. fucking batshit crazy. He's known to do good, that. Like I stop reading when he does that. It's him and Ray that yeah. oh, that know that's my sweet spot and I want to <laughs> fucking kill them yeah. when they do that. I literally stop breathing. Uh, we did it the other day. I mm, yeah, tucked you underneath the desk. And yeah, I was already, in a, I was already in a bad mood. If you're talking about like missing the um, the hero stuff that we do, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, yeah. I miss it. Same. Um, 40 hour position is fun and I love being home every night with my family it's something I haven't uh, I've missed for the last 13 years yeah um, yeah I miss it yeah I, I miss driving to the calls and I miss being there with the crew at the kitchen table and uh, I miss the camaraderie and the reason <clears throat> I bring this up is because I regard you as a highly intelligent individual thank you I do um, and I want to make sure because I, for the most part, I know how your brain works. And this reminds me of number 10 on this list. Let's have it. And it's comfort is the worst addiction and a cheap ticket to depression. Hmm. That's why I ask you about the challenge. Yeah. That's why I ask you about that. Yes. Um, 
is my brain accustomed to like the hero stuff and um do I get depressed maybe because I miss like that level right of being a firefighter yeah well, absolutely well so you go to the stations and this is something that I've caught on to whether you know that I've caught on to or not um that's not important but one of the <clears throat> the cool things that you do is every Friday or so you stop by the station and we you, we kind of have this venting session what's that about yeah um so in my position on 40s like we hold friday sacred and typically what happens is we we drop by a station and it could be because we need a restroom stop or something right um but inevitably we end up sitting at the kitchen table talking to one person and they start talking about a, a call that really affects them. And then the second person drops in and they might be um, off the engine, the truck, something. And then and they're like, oh my God, you're talking about that call. And then before you know it, we have nine people at the kitchen table talking about this really messed up call that they ran. And it turns from like a pit stop, right? to a total peer support level kind of like sit down where we're having a really deep discussion with the, the truck and the engine and sometimes a battalion chief and we're discussing this really intimate stuff and how this call affected each each other and uh and we turn it from a pit stop into a really true support a, a really true peer support kind of level call. What's well, been your uh, and you've been there too, Lucio? Yeah. yeah. So you, you've you've seen this <clears throat> go down. What's been some of the things beneficial that have come about with these conversations? Because you're there a lot with Thomas, and so is so is I'll say your name, Crystal. So is Mandy. You know the whole yeah. gang. The whole gang. It's 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 different people all the time. But like Lucio, having like the introspect on that. What's been the benefit that you've seen when that happens? I think it's changing, like, um, just being open, right? So usually we have, and again, for anybody who might be listening who's not familiar with the fire service, but, like, the kitchen table is, like, a, that's, like, a place to vent. That's the where it's we... If, that, sacred, if that's right? sacred, that table yeah. could talk, right? Yeah. You know, that's how we Like, for the sake of this podcast, I've been wanting to, like, hide microphones in that table. God <laughs> damn just, just like that's going to be my 20 year money maker. Yeah, I'm going to transcript yeah. everything and put it in a book yeah. and just see you guys. Yeah. I'll donate a little <laughs> to the fire fund. I'm not going to do this, Paul. That's where the okay. talks happen, though, right? I'm not that's where do all this. the interesting right. stuff happens. That's where people vent. That's where a lot of the realness comes through. But it's also that's where we go back and forth and that's where we vent, right? Um, I think that's where we find our, our ability to carry on to the next call and, and to do those things. Um, I think now it's it's carried on to the next level because now we're recognizing the peer support level and it's that entire fire culture it's changing right it's changing a little bit to to also extend that we weren't on those calls tom wasn't on those incidents right but at the same time being able to be there in a different capacity and say i see where you're coming from now let's see if we can get you a little bit of assistance if you need it right all ears there want to be part of that conversation want to hear what's going on but also assist where we have lacked years before 
previous years, sure. right? And that's the big benefit is we're able to to move forward. I think that we have social workers with us, right? That's part of their that's in their wheelhouse. Like that's what they do. So us being able to learn from them has been significant. But and not just MIH, right? Like no, not if, just if MIH. You, you're absolutely if right. If you've been in the service for like ten plus years. Yeah. And you have a little salty experience. Mm -hmm. Like, you should be able to open up to your crew to say, like, that call affected me. Right? And, let like, let's sit at the table and talk about this. And what we do on Fridays as MIH, and we drop in and have those conversations, really just, like, it gets one person to open up. And then all of a sudden, like, that, the second person sees the first person being vulnerable. Um opens up the conversation to have nine more people join the conversation and then all of a sudden we have, we have like amazing conversations with the entire crew with yeah. the kitchen table and it becomes a normal conversation and something that it's easier to open up or yeah. before right there was individuals where who who wouldn't open up like they would be embarrassed ashamed whatever right sure. there's people we know that that just didn't want to open up. There still ways. are. There, there still, still are. There still are. They want to keep things kind of closed in, and, and that's right. understandable. I get that. Um, but this is opening up that door in order for everybody to come to the table and just be a little more open about those things. So, I, I think it's a huge benefit moving forward. It's a huge benefit. Peer support's a huge benefit. Those kinds right. of things, right? And you know what the fun thing was, <clears throat> is that I remember way back when, um, when when peer support wasn't a thing. It was. Shit, it's funny that you fuckers are sitting here because that you guys were my peer support. Because I remember there was a time when I went to go to the a, the EAP and I went to go see him for the anxiety thing that was that was going on. Right. And he came out and said, "Hey, you're a little early. Um, I have a client in here, and I just want to make sure that when he goes out, it's cool if he sees you, and it's cool with him that he, you know, you see him." And vice versa. And I said, well, if you want me to hide in the bathroom and count to 30, I will. And he said, well, you may have to count to 60 just in case. And I said, no, you know what? I'm fine with it. And I just asked this question, who is it? And he's like, well, that's not a fair fucking question either because he doesn't know who you are. And it was Thomas that came walking out. And I said, yeah. oh, shit. Yeah. This yeah. is a great beginning for I'm like, and then <laughs> I, I, shit. I, I, and had we had that conversation <laughs> with, with the dude at the same time, right? right? Like. You and I could have just like bounced mm -hmm. shit off of each mm -hmm. other and been like, oh my God, yeah, that makes sense. But that was like the doorway in that moment when I was like, oh, he's going through some shit just the way I am. Yeah. And it was more so that I wasn't as focused in, you have all the liquid deaths in there that you want, Paul. And there was more now of a feeling of me wanting to get out of that EAP meeting. And just go talk to Thomas. Yeah. I, and now, not to dis, to take discredit. away from yeah. discredit. I was going to say yeah. dissuade, but discredit. Yeah. Um, Joe, because he's a fucking phenomenal EAP. Phenomenal guy. Like, he throws that out the window. I do a like Joe. true person-to-person, <clears throat> -person, very personable individual. Um, but I was like, there was a part of me, I'm like, Thomas is going to understand me more. Thomas is going to put some things in perspective, and I'm going to call, he's going to call me on my bullshit, and I'm going to call Thomas on his bullshit. Yeah. And there was why? a time at station. The, why? Your aspect. We sat oh, at the same, same perspective. kitchen table. Same perspective. Right? Same experience. Same perspective. Yes. Yes. We and ran the same calls. 
Mm-hmm. We we went to the same people. We did the same shit. Pure mm-hmm. aspect. Yep. Yeah. Pure and aspect. then there was a time that I got stuck at Station One for a little bit for a 24-hour shift, and Paul was there. And on that particular crew, on that particular shift, it was a slaughterhouse. And I started telling Paul about these feelings of anxiety that I never had. I started discussing these things with him. And where did we go? We started vaping out by the back air conditioner at Station One. We stayed there for about an hour. I had something going on with Sinaida one time. And I had Super Mario over here with the sick fade. He was there for me. He was able to talk to me. Lucio, by the way. Yeah. Look at him. It's Super Mario with a really nice fade. Yeah. You don't remember that, do you, Paul? No, I was just going to say that you stayed in my bedroom for a I month. I did. Absolutely. I think it was longer than that. Yeah. Or it, it seemed, seemed like fucking three years. But yes, absolutely that. Absolutely. Yeah. And the the point of um, of me bringing this up is the number three on this list. And this is what it reminded me of because of the admiration that I have for you guys, the closeness, the, the true sense of brotherhood, the true sense of family is you shouldn't take advice from people who are not where you want to be in life. Mm-hmm. And wow. so at these places, because of the admiration, the closest I had with you guys, that's where that number three resonates from. And all of us here sitting around this microphone right now, we're all in peer support and we all have lived experience. Um, and I think that that's really um, an important part about this. Um, you said earlier, um, you still feel challenged in your position. And I thought about that this entire time, but I didn't want to interrupt anybody. I, I've been doing this supervisor position in MIH for eight years. And a large chunk of that, I did this by myself. Um, I still feel challenged, but the challenge in my position has changed. Um, uh, and a lot of that has to do with myself and my own mental health. Yeah. Comfort's the worst addiction and cheap ticket to depression is what you said earlier, but that's not why I have depression. I have depression because nothing changes. We got in the fire department to help people and make things better. I'm not sure we actually make things better the way that we imagined that we would when we first got it. You have to find peace. You have to find peace in what it is that you experience out there um, with the people that, you know, you continually put in an ambulance or you take to the hospital or the person that you were trying to get, uh, you were, you were trying to get into a skilled nursing facility and, and, uh, and that didn't work out and they ended up succumbing. Um, Whatever it is, uh, the person that you lost, the person that you tried to, you have to find your peace with not being able to, to save somebody all the time. We got in this department to save people. We got into this business mm-hmm. to save people. Well, we don't save people as often as we first imagined that we would. Right. And as a result of that, we have to find peace with what it is that we experience at work so that we can preserve our peace at home. And that's what I'm learning right now because it can be overwhelming after a while to continually see the same things over and over again and not be able to facilitate change. And you have to develop those tactics with which to address that or you're not going to make it 20 years. In no, this you're job. not. And that's, I think, the, the biggest thing with regard to that that... I wanted to, to to say about it. Yeah, no, that's a good point, Paul. It's absolutely true. 
just getting be getting to the point where I, I feel you're getting to the point where you're understanding that and that's that's great and I think years in the service you start to realize that a little later on because you're so focused on trying to maintain and be a good firefighter be good at your at your craft right there's so many different things that you can you can be masterful at right but we have to be good at so many different things but that's one thing that um, I think is overlooked for sure is the importance of that but um, also coming back to that what you were saying Mike you know you shouldn't take advice from people who are um, who are not where you want to be in life I think that's super important too right um, everybody's gone through their experiences in life I think that that what you had just said resonates if you link it back to the fire service I mean having those senior firefighters who have that lived experience to be able to assist those guys coming in that are super fresh super new super young I think at this point um, mm -hmm. without any lived experience I think that's a huge thing that we're we're gonna start it's gonna be lacking right I mm -hmm. mean we have a really young service and there are a lot of good guys out there a lot of them a lot of them are wonderful. Lot of, yeah a lot of good guys that have a, a lot of lived ex and have a lot to offer and uh, <laughs> and I, I, I think um, I think that's awesome. I, I think that's a great thing. And, you know, for the younger guys, you know, whatever it is, if they're listening or whatnot, like, look at those guys and, and take in not only just the, the skill set that they've been able to, to hone in on and, and, you know, really make their craft finite, but just also their lived experience. You know, it's not just that. It's, it's personal stuff. It, this takes me back to the academy, right? Um, Yours? Yeah, and uh, and Vila asked, you know, for the next academy coming in. He he said, "Can you can you tell these guys like what to expect during the academy?" Right? Oh, I was there. Yeah, you and vomited every morning. I, I yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was his speech at my orientation. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I got I did. up every morning and I puked. I did. I absolutely did. Um, and the advice, you know, passing it on. I think it's. Sure, it was those experiences going through. Make sure that your your family's on board. It's going to be really impactful, not only on you but also your spouse. If you have a you know spouse, girlfriend, whatever family relationship, um, it's going to be impactful. Now, I mean, I think the the story is so much more than that, right? Like, there's going to be so much more that we can give these young guys and the advice that we can give them to be ready for a career as a firefighter. You know, that was just you. Know, let me tell you about the academy, but now there's so much more. There's so much more that we can say that we can offer these guys. And I think that senior firefighter um, role, which I think is, is uh, we don't have a lot of guys with, you know, back on online and stuff with all that lived experience to be able to offer these guys. And the ones that are there, I mean, I, I truly believe that they have a lot to offer these guys. So I just think that there's not enough of them to help them and kind of hone in on, on life skills let alone just fire skills, you know? One of the things that I notice in the morning, and I think it's um, <clears throat> a survival instinct mechanism, whatever you want to call it, um, that word may be a little dramatic when I use it, but it's, I notice that when, so I'm on C shift, my probe on C shift, how he interacts with the probe on A shift for that 20 minute pass down in the morning. There is You're a, on C shift? I'm on C shift now. Oh dude, I'm sorry. No, I know. <laughs> I know. You're on D shift. D shift. <laughs> um <sighs> I'll probably edit that out too. Okay, good. Um yeah, that's fine. But uh 
so there's that there's that little moment to where those two proby firemen are talking to one another and they create this little protective bubble between the both of them yes and they may talk about oh you remember in the academy or hey remember when the academy and oh you remember this time that we did push-ups and they start having this common ground well and i understand that because this guy went to a total 48 hours and i did it too i did it too I, this guy went a total of 48 hours with being evaluated being told this is what you need to do. Being told this is probably what you shouldn't do. These are steps A through Z on how to do this. And so there's this common ground. And if there's proby firemen, and this is one thing that I, I think when I go back to shift, I want to tell him is it's not so much of find comfort in the things that you've accomplished then. It's, hey man, how did your last shift go? Yeah. Now there's time for this acclimation in the relationship in that academy bond to now back that guy up hey man i saw this the other day have you have you run a call like that no that that's when we're starting to breed this culture of it's okay to talk mm -hmm. it's okay to say these things because yeah. never there was a small point of the fire department where i came from that these are well this is what you fucking signed up for asshole sure and, and so and that's and, where and, peer support comes in right right in, in well, my and, well, opinion. Well, and it's not necessarily even the 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 organization or the the division of peer support. It is literal peer support with what I did with you, yes. with what I did with Paul many of the days, with what I talked to Lucio about, like relationship wise. Right. Like there are things out there that I see in people that have these qualities, and I say, how the fuck does that happen? How does Lucio take that beautiful picture on a beach standing next to Amy and like, God damn, that's the happiest fucking picture I've ever seen in my life. How do you get there, bro? Like, those are the conversations that I want from yeah. something like that. Now, I'm not saying that that Lucio's life is all peachy keen. Nobody's fucking life is peachy keen. Thanks for you throwing know? that in there. No, nobody's like no, well, no. I'm poor Amy. No, poor Amy. I pray yeah, I know, for her every. Deal with I pray for that woman and every maybe night. It just doesn't get passed on generation to generation, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe we should be better at that because I like that's what I expected going into this career is that like your peer is going to pass that on to you and you you're going to experience that together. But everybody's career moves at a different at pace. At a different pace, sure. Yeah. And if it moved at the same pace, then that means we would have a crystal ball knowing what call came up next. Sure. And we don't have that. And we'd probably be paid on call two, which is something that I don't even want to talk about because God forbid that ever happens. But um But yeah, that's that's something that's a part of the culture now that I hope that it, it, it's growing, but it continues to grow because I see the seed as it's um it's being planted in that, oh, thank God you're here, buddy. Let me tell you about the shift that I had with this asshole. Like, cool. But now it's time to elevate yourself to, you see that guy off of 48 and he's not very talkative to you. You guys were Academy brothers, Academy sisters. Hey, man, what's going on? How was that last 48? Yeah. See, that, and Thomas, that's the question. Is, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when I talk to you, I never ask you, hey, is everything good? I never ask anybody if anything's good because sure. I'm expecting it to be good. It's almost like, I don't want to hear your shit. Just tell me you're good so I can get the fuck out of here. Right. Every time I ask somebody, it's, hey, man, what's going on? How's it going? Yeah. What's new? I hey, man, how have, you, how, how have you been? It's a very open-ended question because if you go to, 
Hey man, you alright? Mm-hmm. Fuck no, if I'm asking you if you're alright, it's because I fucking see you're not alright. Yeah. Uh, and to be transparent with you, um, I was, I was the paramedic with Nikki when she talks about her worst call ever. Okay. I was there. Yeah. It was me. Well, I was know. like well, punching. I, I know that. Yeah. It was me that was like punching the steering wheel, like thinking like that. This is the worst call I've ever been on, and um, this is really, really affecting me. And so it doesn't just happen to the brand new. You know, firefighter EMT that is experiencing this thing for the first time. It could be the forty-year-old dude that's like experiencing this for the fiftieth time. Yeah, right. Like, there's some time that it just like truly affects you, and it it really really hurts. And um, it, it and it's not okay. Like, it's, right. these are things that we we didn't we didn't know we signed up for these things twenty years ago. 18, 17 yeah. years ago. Like, I, these things just happened. Honestly, I just did it because I needed a fucking job. I yeah. covered that in episode one. <laughs> yeah. And and we all, um, you know, dudes like us um, experienced uh, construction and opera and things like that in the past. Retail. And retail. Yeah. And, and we wanted a career that had a, a path. Right. right, like we wanted path, purpose, yeah, yeah. purpose and uh, security, security. Yeah, that's a and we all were help somebody, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden we're faced with these challenges, and we we might not have signed up for this stuff, right? Yeah. But we, but it happens, and we have to know that in that time, we are the most valuable people. We are the most trained people to deal with these things when they come up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how you said that. We're the most equipped for that position, right? For that, for that kind of a situation. And uh, I think now we're trying to be the most equipped to deal with the situation after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've learned that over the years. Is right. Damage early, control. Right. Damage control now, right? Like early on, you're just like, oh, I got to deal with it. Roll, yeah. Roll we, with the punches. We, we learned the in the academy to like deal with this emergency. Yeah. We, we didn't learn in the academy like how to cope with it after the after. fact. Right? You know, like 20 years in the career. Exactly. Well, hopefully, the most, exactly. well, hopefully that's being worked on because you it guys is. were there in the last meeting. And so I, I know that another individual brought that up alongside with me as to start branching off into that, that practice. But <clears throat> with backing each other up is number four. And I kind of... Mm, this one doesn't apply to us because I'm going to contradict this one, but it says, no one is coming to save your problems. Your life is 100% your responsibility. Mm-hmm. It is, but mm-hmm. what do we do for one another? Us, oh, cops. We've, that's we've, the fire service we, in general, we right? Back, we back that's each other up. That's the kitchen table. We have to back yeah. each other up. Mike ran out of gas on the corner of my street <laughs> and showed up at my front door. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's and of awesome. course, I did yeah. what every fireman did. I took photos, and we laughed and yeah. everything, and I showed everybody, and I, I haven't, I'm sorry, I haven't brought this no, up that's in a fine. long time. But, the picture but comes what's up, up what's the point of that? Yeah, I gave him a hard time, but what did I do? Took I mean, I guess. took care of that situation. Sure. Yeah. And and I would take care of a lot more. <laughs> you like, know, and you know what the best part is? 
is it like about five years later, Lena called me and she said, if you want your revenge, the revenge is now. And I said, oh God, what the fuck happened? Paul ran out of gas. He's at this <laughs> intersection. <laughs> what did we, uh, what ended up happening with that? I remember that. I was trying no, to go I, home no, I, and I knew I didn't have yeah. a lot of gas, but I thought I had a little bit no, more than I did. Yeah. No, you walked, yeah. you, you walked, you got your own gas. And I was, I put it, oh, I hightailed it down there and I was fucking, and I said, he's home now, isn't he? She's like, you're going to have to wait until this happens again. And I said, <laughs> and I said, and I said, Lena, you better get me on the quicks. The next time that happens, I said, cause I'm not missing that fucking moment ever again. I have pictures. I'll, maybe that's, it'll be the cover art. Awesome. Who fucking knows? But from from the point of my life not going down a path that I wanted to the point to where there was a bleak outlook that I had to the point of depression, of the thoughts that I had, the dark places I went to fucking helping out a guy with gas. Yes. It's a wide spectrum. Right. And so number four, yes, our life is our responsibility. 100%. Nobody's going to make those decisions. But we always do back each other up. Right. But our department, our department is 175 people, right? Give or take. Um, That's the picture. Paul showed me a picture of Mike running. You look real happy. <laughs> no, nobody was as happy about this as I was. Yeah. Tonight and the kids were laughing. What's important, yeah, that's great. my point is, is that we show up for each other to push each other when we're out of gas. Exactly. That's Ooh, the like point. That. Yeah. That's the point. It's true. And um and we show up for each other anytime that happens. Yeah. And that's the brotherhood that happens at the kitchen table. And that's why this the kitchen table is so sacred. sacred. Absolutely. Because that's where that happens. That's where that relationship is built. We need a kitchen table. Yeah. Well, we yeah. we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. So, we have a little bit of an audience, right? Okay. Yeah. My and wife, so, and my so, wife Jenny is here. Yeah, and hi Jenny. Hi, hi Jenny. And so you got Nikki voice going. You're gonna have to stand a lot closer to that mic, hun. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, Jenny is Thomas's wife, and going back to like the family dynamic that Lucio was talking about, about like supporting the kids, being there with the family, the fact that you went on 40s. That what has been the positive part of 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 that transition of, of that transition of Thomas coming in. From the forty ninety sixes to the forties, what is what work from your standpoint has changed for the benefit of things? Well, so many different things. I mean, having him home every night is just so wonderful because we have three kids at home that he's able to help with dinner and help with just overall bedtime routines and he homework. cooks fucking dinner. <laughs> well. <laughs> We're working on it. All right. I hope his bologna sandwiches... I'm going to throw this in there and just say Indian tacos, and then there's a few people in this department who will understand that. Like like Indian uh, dot, you are here, or like feather? Yeah, feather. Got you, feather. But, and they're going to get that, and they're going to understand what that means. Okay. But Jenny, thank Sorry, you. Jenny, go ahead. No, it's okay. So, yeah, it just overall family dynamic. Having him there every night, it feels safer to have him there and I love it good I like how you said safer I think Amy had expressed the same the -hmm. same thing Mm -hmm. yeah that that's interesting it's more interesting on my part because Sinaida says that when I'm home with her she feels safer but there's like that physical like I can I can sleep in this house and I told her and the kids I've particularly told the kids, if you ever think about sneaking out, 
I can hear a mouse fart five miles down the road. <laughs> that with that statement just <laughs> summated why Sonida feels safer when I'm home. Yeah, but you brought up something that's like synonymous with firefighters, right? Like mm-hmm. the hyper vigilance right. that yeah. we are faced with. Right. And we are never turned off. That's true. Right? So even though I'm home, I'm still looking at like the front door camera. Right, I have the little Alexa at the front door that just keeps an eye on things because our neighborhood can sometimes be crazy. And um, shocker, yours too. Yeah, like we do we shut that off, even no. though we're home? No, I don't no. think so. No, we don't. And and then that's something that we just like we get accustomed to doing, and um, and then we're like hyper vigilant when it comes to that, and. Um, and so the reason that I asked Jenny this is because I know Amy was in the medical field. She understands a bigger, a big portion of what we, what is it we do. Lena was an EMT. Southwest, right? Was it AMR? No, it was it was already AMR. it was already AMR. An old schooler from back in the day, like she worked here, so she understands that life. <clears throat> and of course, Sonida would also have a very similar response if if it was just like Amy and Lena. But I wanted to ask Jenny this just because. I mean, you're kind of new. I am new. You know? I, I don't know anything about the medical field, so it's it's totally different. Yeah, and and um, and sometimes that like hinders maybe our relationship, right? Like she doesn't quite understand that I really had a bad day, and and what that means is um, I think I told her from the get go five years ago that like I might not share all the gory details about how bad my shift was. Uh, um, I might just leave that up to suggestion, right? Like, um, I don't need to tell you how bad the call was. Right. I just need you to understand that I ran a really, really bad call and I want to come home and just do my thing and like be myself and, and not... Well, and see, like contrary, <clears throat> excuse me, people will come to me and, um, so for example, yesterday we, Sonida and I, um, Sonida, I, we bought it, she bought a truck, a very nice truck, by the way. Oh, you got a vehicle, nice. A little fucking jealous, Lucio, let's not talk about it. I thought I would be able All to right. share, but I'm not able to. Then. Yeah, this continue. is, this fucking peer support, we can talk about it. Um, so. <laughs> now, now I'm interested in what kind of truck it is. I can't help myself. It's a now. Toyota Tundra. Yes. Oh, I know, right? right? Oh, it's nice, dude. It's, listen. Okay. I'm going to drive it too. Okay. Okay, good. Um, so synonymously with like Jenny and how she has to transition with you and learning that experience is the salesman was like, oh, that's cool. Like, and, and a lot of, of other people are like, oh, that's cool. Like, you can both, you both are each other's like support system. We, we are. We're yeah. each other's support system. At the same time, though, it brings its difficulties because what bothers me doesn't, doesn't necessarily bother fucking bother yeah. her. So, therefore, I don't get the response. And what bothers her, I'm just like, are we really fucking talking about this? Yes. And I'm saying that in my head. But I'm showing the interest just as much as she's entertaining my idea. Yeah, it's, or it's my difficult, thoughts. right? And it, to and to be honest with you, there are sometimes, and I've learned how to shut it off, basically because I have my support group. You know, I have you guys. I have Nikki. Mm-hmm. I have things that I can do as a coping mechanism to to get through those hard times. 
And sometimes I don't know if I would rather have somebody who was in this business or somebody who had no fucking clue what it is that I would do. So I would have no reminder of it, what it is that I do. However, here's the upside to this is when something rewarding happens, Sinaida always understands that as compared to if I felt this with somebody who had no clue, they would just say, well, good job, babe. I'm like, that's fake. That's fake as fuck. Yeah. And Sinaida can sit there and she'd be, she would say something, something. And I'm not saying that you do that, Jenny. (laughs) I'm not saying that you do that. I'd like to say that right now, Jenny is smiling and smirking at me because she completely understands that. Oh, as she was, she has no idea what that is like. Right. Um, and we got this guy placed. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell you mean? We got this guy placed. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) And and to go back further, I've told Jenny, like I converted this guy and he had a pulse upon, you know, us getting him to the hospital. He had a pulse. Right. Like he was not breathing. He, we did CPR. I intubated him and, Maybe Jenny does not understand that because her world is blinds and valances and window treatments and and I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, I, I try to hide the fact that like, um, we we do things like this all the time, right? And our significant other may or may not understand. What a significant change we made in somebody's life really is. Well, the connection grows over time. Jenny sure. learns by default over time. She ends up with uh, oh. Firefighter 1 anyway, right? And, uh, and also, don't ever um, underestimate that she sees just like Amy sees, just like Sinaida sees, just like Lena sees. The look in your eyes when you come home because something went right. Right. You know? And to to share upon that, um, uh, eight, ten years ago, I was at like a family reunion and my my, uh, aunt chokes like on a piece of brisket, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody in the house is like, Thomas, 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 Thomas. And my, my aunt is like, Walking around with this piece of brisket like stuck in her throat, and she's look, she's like grasping for a piece of like her cup of water, right? And everybody's like, "Thomas, do something!" And every time she passed by somebody, they're like slapping her on the back or like smacking her in the chest, and they're trying to get her to swallow this brisket. God. <laughs> and, and, and I walk in, and, and they're like, "Oh my God, Thomas is here." And they expected me to do like CPR or cardioversion or something. And I handed her her water and she took a drink and she was fine. But see, that's a good paramedic knowing when <laughs> water is <laughs> right. the solution. Okay, but what, what if um, your significant other doesn't understand that it's water right. that fixes that, Right. And what if your significant other just doesn't understand that what you did, you administered epi and it saved somebody's life and you got them to the hospital Mm -hmm. and you go home and you're like, oh my God, I administered one round of epi and I saved this guy's life with one round of CPR. And your significant other is like, cool. Well, um, 
the blinds I tried to install were short. And I had to go back to the shop, and I had to reorder these blinds. And the good thing is, is that you're able to understand that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I understand that because you work with her, right? Yeah, work with her too. And like for that, like, oh my god, like, well, your day sucked really bad because you had to go back and order. And it's a challenge on you too. Yeah, (laughs) yes. And I'm sorry about that, Jenny. That sounds like a really terrible thing. And, and, And in my head, I'm like. Wow, you, you, you might, and I, I really hope that Jenny never experiences like a bad day for me is a really, really bad day because I, the, the medications don't work. The um, first round of CPR doesn't work. The cardio version doesn't fix the problem. Right. Um, and so I go home and I'm. Ultimately, what'd you do, Thomas? I told the guy to drive faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then to be, I told um, Mickey to drive faster. <laughs> and to be compassionate to my to my wife's daily of, oh my God, the, the blinds came in. They were too small. Oh my gosh. Your day must have really sucked. Right. right? That's right. that's really tough. Well, and so, <clears throat> so the... the like the beauty in all this and the, the cool thing, whatever, however you want to fucking call it, is you're building something, right? And so you're building that communication just the same way that it that Paul's been building that communication with Lena, just the same way that Lucio and Amy have built that communication, just the same way that myself and Sonia have built that communication. And it's this constant building that compounds one another for that next day. And so eventually, like, Jenny will understand what pacing is. Jenny will understand, like, oh, Epi, good. Epi, big drug. Like, yeah. Some fucking here, some shit. You know what I mean? And so that goes with um, number 14. The family you create is more important than the family you come from. Yeah. Because we're creating that. And I know that. That's some depth. And I know know that the last episode, fuck. It took me a while to release that one about the family that I came from. And I'm not saying the entire family. I really love my family, but just that Wendell aspect. Um, that is the cool thing that we now are able to do is now compound all of that with the positives, with the negatives, and learn that communication. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. There's so Cheers. much to say on that. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. yeah. And I know, I, I know everybody's story in this room and maybe that has something to do with our common denominator and why we care about each other so much is that what we're trying to do as dads and everybody here is a dad is we're trying to do better than what it is that we experienced before and if we are successful in that gentlemen then we are then we have accomplished, I think, what our mission is. And I do think about that all the time. Why am I here? What is my mission? We're a bunch of space monkeys on a rock floating in the middle of nowhere that's being heated by this giant ball of gas, and there's all this... What is this? You know? And you can go crazy thinking about that. Um, But if you just focus on the mission of what it is that we're here for and what it is that we're trying to do and don't worry about the rest of that stuff. Um, And that's something that I think that the younger fireman who is working on getting a family unit established, right? 
which generally happens, you know, yeah, I've been in the fire department for a little while, I've got some things to offer, you know, you meet a nice lady, you, you, you end up getting married and having kids and all the rest of that stuff that we've all experienced, right? And uh, you make your way through the fire service after a while, and you realize that that which is at home is really what matters in the end. And there's yeah. guys in the fire department that I still think to this day don't understand that, but that doesn't matter because everybody here at this table understands that, and I understand that, and I try to be a champion for that when other people talk yeah. to me about that. So we've had a lot of discussions, and I think we've had a lot of discussions specifically about that, Paul. And oh, yeah. We've, we've gone in depth specifically on that in particular, but I, I think that's multifaceted in a huge way because, yeah, personal life, absolutely. We, uh, definitely resonates we i think everybody can feel that right you want to be better than you want to be better than than what your parents were right mm -hmm. also you think about it in the fire service you want to offer something better than what we came into the fire service right so i always consider the everybody in in the fire department is family right i i truly mean what i say every time i'm asking how somebody's doing i think we talked about that before too like i really am concerned like how are you doing is there anything that I could personally do to help out, right? And with peer support and everything else, I think we're moving in that direction. We want to make sure that we have a legacy left with our family. We want to make sure that we assist the fire service in, in developing and, and changing and evolving into something that's, that's more than, of course, just the kitchen table, right? The kitchen table, don't get me wrong. Like, that's, that's amazing. I love that. But even even past the kitchen table, if somebody's having an issue, to be able to to change that that mindset, like I can only bring it up here. No, you can bring it up anywhere. Reach out, talk to somebody, do that kind of stuff. But changing that, create the family, right? The family you create is more important than the family you come from. And and of course, where we came from was a little different than where we're at now. And not to say that it was bad then, but. It is changing, and it's it was great then. It, it, it's getting better, and it's it's becoming great now. Um, so I don't know. I, it just it was on two different levels that question I, or that statement there. I think that's really cool. Is that part of the magic here that we all have adverse childhood experiences? Uh, because we all are cut from a very similar cloth, and we all have very similar skill sets when it comes to what it is that we do and how we do it and how we accomplish it, and that's why. Even though um, we all work together or have worked together at one point, I feel very strongly about all you guys. Um, because we're, uh, is it that we all have adverse childhood experiences that we are able to demonstrate resilience in the face of those challenges? I, I, I don't know, but it's interesting. Well, without going into a lot of detail, yeah, absolutely. There's been a lot of things that, and again, um, a lot of people may or may not know. I know you guys know a little bit of my history, but it was very challenging, right? I, I left the house when I was young. Um, I, didn't, I didn't continue to live at home when I was, I think, 14 going on 15. I, I left early. I didn't finish high school. I had a lot of things that I did. Um, I learned a lot of things early on. Um, I am very, I, I, I guess I'm really playful, right? I'm always positive, that kind of stuff and whatever else, and that's how I come across, and it's because of of course, yeah, that's how I am. I want to look at things in a positive light. But I have experienced a lot of different things that have helped mold and to change and to help me grow. And um, 
it's not something that I want everybody to to know ab about me right away. But if you get in a conversation, I'm willing to express that and to help you understand life in general, right? And the challenges that were fa that I faced and the things that I've learned from that and the responsibilities I took on my own and the humility that comes with that. Um, and again, that's just that's some of the stuff that I want to be able to share the, to anybody who wants a little bit more insight on what is it that's most important, right? Is it family? Is it work? Is it this? Is it this? Whatever, right? Everything is important to a certain degree. Um, and I think one of those, I think everybody's probably seen that video, right? It's a college professor. Um, he's got an example. It's a, it's a visual example of what is it that's the most important. It starts with the golf balls. Then he throws in um, some, you know, a bunch of other stuff, sand, water, um, you know, smaller pebbles, whatever the case may be, but it's the most important things in the essence of whatever it, it takes to be a wholesome person. And then you add all the other stuff, right? Whatever there's space for, for everything else. The first thing, the first and foremost thing is, is the basics, right? Like family, um, you know, being secure, like housing, secure, uh, financials, all those things, right? Making sure that that's good religion. I mean, whatever it is, whatever it is that you believe in, all those things are the first and foremost things. And then after that, you build on it, your career, everything else. And whatever it is, like my my history, whatever, I just want to be able to share that and continue. I mean, that's a great thing. It's whatever you create. Um, but anyway. Yeah, you reminded <clears throat> me of something. I think it's important uh, well, to hold, say. Hold on, Paul. Before you go on to that, if you didn't want people to know about that, Lucio, this goes on Spotify. <laughs> I'm just letting you know that right now. Okay? No, it, I, I'm okay with that. It's just not something that I throw out there all no, the time. No, absolutely. Right? But if anybody wants to know, yeah, I, it was a challenge. Um, a lot of people are shocked when I tell them where I came from in mm -hmm. my background, you know, and yeah. coming from where I came from and, and all the history that I had, I mean, it wasn't, it's not a pleasant background, you know, it's, it's a challenge. I was very thankful and grateful that honestly, it's to the extent of, I didn't go to prison for something, some of these things. Right. Right. But that in itself, family challenges, home challenges, um, it, like Paul said, you know, the adverse childhood, you know, kind of things and upbringings, all of those things, all of, all of those things have a play in who I have become. Right. And, uh, it, now that we're older, right. Even, even younger, I realize that you have to take ownership of those things. Those things, if you look at back at them and you regret those instances and that you, you regret those challenges that you were faced with, you're never going to move forward from those. I always look at those as as challenges that were thrown at me and I was able to experience those to help the next person in front of me. And that's what we're trying to create, right? right. A better a better life for whatever it is, our brothers and sisters, um, our own personal, you know, family, but those are the things that I went through those experiences for a reason to to be able to move forward and it helps to mold us. Um and, for the fire service, great. Yeah, I've learned a lot there. Don't get me wrong, but it, the interpersonal relationships—that's really where it starts to build. You have to be able to to balance those things, and that's that's a challenge in itself. What I was going to say earlier is uh, kind of piggybacks off of what it is that we're talking about. So I because I almost contradicted myself uh, because earlier uh, when we were talking at the very beginning. I did say that uh, earlier I discussed the breakdown of the family unit potentially being contributory to some of the cultural changes emerging in the fire service. You remember yeah. when I said that? Yeah. Okay. So that's, I still feel that that's true. However, everybody in this room 
has experienced that. Um, so maybe the answer is to identify what resilience means mm -hmm. and how we foster that, not just as a society, because yes, as a society, but how do we support those people that we, I'm not in the back of an engine anymore. I don't have any access to that rookie at all. Right. Right. People come in my office and I talk with people and I'm involved in peer support, but I, I rely very heavily on other people like you to make sure that these people have the tools, these members that we have in the fire department have the tools to make their way through this, right. to reflect, to process, to understand, and then to move forward and be able to to give to other people. Because that's what it is that we signed up to do. Right. We signed up to give to other people. And I, I feel very strongly that we need to continue to do that. But I also feel that how we do that and um, and how I do that and, uh, and, and in that way, what I think is important has changed. Right. Well, with that being said, obviously the first step is always a recognition of it, right? Mm -hmm. So doing that, of course, is the forefront. And one of the lines that, <clears throat> wrapping this back around to the fire department, to the fire service, is myself as a, as a probate, when I remember when I was a probationary firefighter was I constantly am in this learning process, right? And so we go through an entire year of learn, 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 learn. And at the same time when we're learning, we do have a sense of while I'm learning the skill set of what I did the last call or what I learned in this training or learned in this class, I'm now going to exemplify in the field and that's my giving back. When my probie year was done and I want to have a podcast with this individual, um, I don't know how he feels about going live with it, but that's one of the reasons why I don't want to say I failed to invite him, but I didn't because I know how private he is. Um, <clears throat> my probie year was done with him. And one of the, one of the best things he told me when I told him, I said, Hey, you know what today is? And he said, what's that? And I said, I'm not a probie anymore. And he turned to me and said, well, now you know what it is to have a probie under you. You're going to find out pretty soon. I wonder who that was. I wonder who the fuck that was. <laughs> oh, we all know. Yeah, yeah. We all, yeah. And so uh, that was, I said to myself, I said, holy shit. Sooner than later, I'm going to have a me. Maybe not the exact same pain in the ass. Maybe not the same pain in the ass that I was. No. Um, but a person who came in and now... It was going to be my responsibility to teach them, yeah. to teach them the skill set, to give them that sense of responsibility. And primarily the recognition starts there. Much like my children, I'm now teaching them how to be young adults, the worth of a dollar, the worth of a sense of responsibility, the worth of this decision does not just lead to a step two in your book. It leads to three, four, five, six steps down the road. And so a lot yeah. bringing the family back in is I have a daughter 
who looks at everything I do. This little girl is like a mini me. She is a sponge from everything that is sarcastic to loving about me. That little girl. Gavin's a lot like Sinaida. Gavin is a lot like, he has my joking and my sarcasm too. But when it comes back to the family foundation is what am I bringing home other than a bad day? <laughs> They're going to see work is just, right. the end result is just a bad day. Fuck, I don't ever want to work. Right. But I make it very um, bold and frank when I do have a good day. And I share those stories with them. And I'm letting them know that that experience was a reward. Not just the the $2,900 check that I got because I worked 48 hours of overtime on a 130 check. Mm -hmm. It is, look at the adulation that I have. Do you know what that means when a person just did this? And so that is the give back, not only to the Provies, but to that family unit that Lucio was talking about. Right. Um, my kids have experienced just that, right? Like, mm -hmm. I can remember back when I was volunteering and um, we drove to a call and I was on the roof chopping a hole, ripping out this chimney. Right, because the entire roof was on fire, and I'm like up there, and the fire's blowing out of the the um, area around the chimney. <clears throat> and I looked down, and uh, because I drove in my own vehicle, my kids are watching like a movie on their iPad. Right. Yeah. Right. They didn't care that their dad is like up on a roof. Oh, this is everyday life for my kids. Yeah. This is normal. Right? That's just it. Like, our our uh, our family just assumes that, like, that's what dad does to make a living. Um, and they, they haven't experienced, like, when I give a medication to a cardiac patient and I'm stopping their heart for five seconds with adenosine and then... You know, they, they've never experienced that aspect of it. And so my kids just assume that, like, dad is a fireman and he shows up and puts out a fire. And they don't comprehend the whole aspect of what it is to be a fireman paramedic and the in-depth and, and why dad shows up the next day and he's, like, upset because he didn't any sleep at night and um all that that entails right yeah <clears throat> thanks mike for bringing that up because yeah. uh it, it just puts my head into a spin to think right. like well and it's and it's perfectly normal you know they they know no different life yeah. i don't i don't have the kids you, you i don't just, have the i don't have the kids where i take them to a fire station and i'm like hey you guys want to cruise around the the block or something like sure you know what i mean like yeah just, just like you. um you if i was a ups <clears throat> driver my kids went to with to work with me one day and they saw me delivering packages that's normal right it's perfectly right? normal my kids saw me on the roof chopping a hole in the roof um preventing a fire to spread further and that's normal the only you one would look really good in those little brown shorts though. i think you would <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shit. thank you guys shave your legs but, but my point is, is <laughs> like, agrees. they Ooh. don't comprehend like to them that was normal right dad's cutting a hole in the roof cool big deal 
they're watching a movie on my iPad, mm -hmm. right? While right. I'm up there doing the most heroic shit of my life. Right. And I could have fallen through the roof. There, the fire could have blown through, right. and you know, had you blah, fallen blah, through blah, the blah. roof, they would have gotten off the video, camera it, and then thrown it up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. They would have hel They they would have um, recorded the helicopter picking me up to take me to life flight, whatever. Right. That would have been like their moment of like, oh my god, like dad's a hero. They no, they, they would have said, "Dad fell." They wouldn't have been like, "Oh my god, Dad's like Paul, uh, Paul delivering Bra packages and like being a hero." Right, right? The, to them, he that's works normal. with Amazon. Yeah, yeah. To to them to see like they've grown. Oh my god, my 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 kids have been accustomed to seeing me do things like that right. since the inception of their. Their life, and like, it's funny we bring up UPS because UPS shows up. My daughter, a package has arrived, <laughs> and I say to myself, "What about me when I fucking come home?" And she's like, "Well, that's nice too." Yeah, and I'm like, "Jesus Christ, a package!" Yeah. Jesus, arrived. I'm like, "Jesus Christ, you didn't even order anything, even if there was a package here, it wasn't even for you." Well, but would it be normal for Bea to like sit in the truck and like watch you? Probably not. You know, rescue yeah. two people from a house yeah. that's on fire. Yeah. She would have it's probably like, been watching her favorite anime. When I had first got my alternate driver, I was at one, and I was, like, running the pump outside, you know, like we're supposed to. And Smitty came out, and I think he was a DC at the time, and he says, so what kind of cappuccino does this thing make? I'm pretty sure Bea would have been, like, vanilla bean frap, make it a venti. <laughs> that's, if she were to see me pulling these levers, that's what she was. Yeah. Prior to, assume. prior to this, Paul was talking about resilience. And I know we had, uh, Nikki and I had a really in-depth resilience episode. I, if you guys haven't listened to it, check it out. Um, I believe it's number two or three. Um, but going back to Paul's resilience, and I'm going to ask you what your resilience mechanisms are, Paul, leads, kind of leads me to number 15 is train yourself to take nothing personally to save yourself from 99.99% .99 of mental problems. Oh, and that is so hard. Because you can't help but take these cases to heart when somebody doesn't want to do something that that which you think that they need. You guys know. And then something bad happens like they die, right? Terrible. Terrible. And I've been I've gotten so angry before that I've gone home. Well, Things for me just got worse and worse and worse, and I got more depressed and more depressed about these challenges. And then, so I decided that I was going to do something for myself. The hardest thing, I think, for a fireman, and it could be different for everybody, but it's really hard to go to your primary care and say, I have a problem, right? Right. Oh, God, that's so bad. Yeah. Um, especially since at my primary care, there's a, a tech and a resident physician student in that room and everything else. And I'm just here spilling my guts about everything that's going on with me, right? So <clears throat> there's lots of different tactics here. But I think it's important to hit it from many different angles. <clears throat> one, There isn't one magic wand that solves all of these types of problems. And I don't have any problem talking about this, but so I go to my primary care and she says, okay, uh, I'll, I'll give you a med, but I also want you to go see somebody. So then I do some research and I go to one place 
And uh, I'm not going to tell you what the place was, but I drove all the way up to Albuquerque. Yeah. And then the therapist, I spill my guts for an hour and 15 minutes. And then I ask her where the restroom is. It's a big building. I was the last patient of the day. And I went into the bathroom. And then when I walk out, she was gone. She left me in the bathroom. And then I had to find my way out of that whole building. Wow. Then... The, the next two sessions that we had, the first one, she couldn't get uh, the, her camera to work, so we ended up talking on the phone. And then the third one, she didn't even show up for the Zoom session. Yeah. And they say that once you've gone to a therapist and you had a bad experience, it'll take you eight years to get back. And I think that that may even be more true for firemen because we have certain expectations, right? Right. And when those aren't met, then we're going to just like, that's it, right? But I found this other place called Odyssey Counseling in Albuquerque where the therapist, Mary Baca, she used to be married to a police officer. She's been practicing therapy for first responders for decades. So when I explained something to her, like what, what Thomas was talking about earlier, I cut a hole in the roof today. I don't have to explain what that is because she already knows what that is. Yeah. So all I have to do is lay a baseline as to what the day was. And I don't have to spend all this time explaining what the fire service is because she already knows what it is. So that's two things. And then the third thing that I'm working on right now is I found a, a friend of mine sent me a link. And he was battling uh, Xanax addiction. That's and he used one. meditation and exercise to dig his way out of that. Yep. And it worked so well that he actually created a YouTube channel for it. Yeah. And I started watching it. And it's really professional. The meditation videos are really awesome. Did you start hitting the gym? <clears throat> yes. Okay, and good. the and the the uh, the videos for the workouts, they have a little clock on it and the countdown and it shows you what to do and everything like that. And I've been doing that. And um, so I'm trying to hit it from a bunch of different angles because I don't think that there's one solution to any of these problems. I think it's a bunch of different things. Right. And, uh, and I'm on here telling you this because I think that it's, it's not a taboo subject anymore to talk about any of these things. We're human beings. Human beings have issues that need to be addressed. I mean, if you think about like all the things that I've done, nobody's ever going to criticize me for wanting to go see somebody when I ran around and worked with the most complicated, most ambivalent, uh, and saw m incredible amount of pain and suffering by myself for five years, six years before we got more help. And now, thank God, I have you guys here to help me. Um, and so I don't have to do this all by myself anymore. But the damage is already done, and I have to address it, and I have to work my way through that. Well, how's that progress? It's good. It's uh, it, it's just like anything else. It's back and forth. You have good days and you have bad days. But my wife's very supportive. I'll come in and I'll be like, I'm not having a good day today. And so maybe she'll just have me put like... Uh, uh, the baby to bed, right? <clears throat> and then she'll take the the big one because, uh, as much as I love him, he is uh, he's a pain in the bottom. Yeah, um, Connor? And, no, Connor's easy. Connor, oh, I just, that's what you're no, that's Connor, what I'm I just put in the recliner. I give him a baba, and then I give him his passy, <laughs> and then I put him in the crib, and he right. just rolls over, and that's the end of it. And 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 she lets me do that. 
Um, and then she'll, you know, try to put Liam to bed because Liam doesn't want to sleep in the bed by himself. Nope, Liam's a we're red trying bull, to, we're Liam's trying to a transition him. You know, it's it's that that's a lot of hard work. But I think the point is that um, I'm given grace. Yeah. And I'm given grace because I communicate that I need grace. And uh, and because I've communicated that whole time, I think that is really a major key to all of this. Yeah. But this, number 15, I, I like what you said, Paul. There's a, there's a lot of learning there. Um, I think this, it's train yourself to take nothing personally to save yourself from 99.999% of mental health problems. That's a hard thing to do. Oh, it's absolutely. So that's 100%. a hard thing to do. And to train yourself to do that, I mean, that's that's not an easy task. I think what it says there is to train yourself not to take anything personally. That's hard for us to do because we're going to take it personally, right? Mm -hmm. We're responsible for somebody's life. We're responsible for doing that kind of a that level of of just severity of what it is because gonna, we care. Well, yeah, and, and, and we're not we're, even we're not even worried about being good. No, it's we're just, worried about being credible. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that's the point of it. Having a good yeah. outcome. Yeah, right? um, we're gonna take it personally. I think what you're hitting on though, Paul, is is that right there is not just train yourself to take nothing personally, but use the tools in front of you in order to make sure that that mm -hmm. doesn't happen. Right, and we're gonna take it personally. That's inevitable. It, we can't train ourselves to be immune to this stuff because then we wouldn't be in the positions we are because we do care. Mm -hmm. We care about the, the outcome for the individuals we respond to, whatever it is. And in mobile integrated health in the field are years, uh, you know, of doing that. But we have to we have to equip ourselves appear, uh, appropriately in order to handle those situations. So going to therapy, doing that kind of stuff, absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Moving forward and in, in trying to to navigate through those emotions, through the PTSD. Right? There's a lot of that. I think we are all very aware of that. It's what is it like military police fire, right? For PTSD, we're all very exposed to those kinds of traumatic situations. That's what we, that's, that's ultimately the tool Yeah, is, is, and, is making sure that we're, we're equipped to be able to handle those situations the best that we can and, and moving forward from those things. But, um, yeah, the way that, 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 that was phrased, I was like, yeah, we can't necessarily like train ourselves to not take it personally. We're going to take it personally. Yeah. There, well, there, we have that line, right? Yeah. There, there's a line. Um, <clears throat> Even more so on the resilience part is number five. You don't need... Now, I'm not telling people not to read books when I fucking say this one, right? There's a lot of literature that's out there. There's a lot of books that I know that Nikki has read. I can't read. Um, I started reading a book called Atomic Habits. It's a really good read. You guys should check it out. Um, and I know that a lot of other guys in our department do self-help kind of guidance books just for the main purpose of perspective. But this next one, um, number five, is you don't need 100 self-help books. All you need is action and self-discipline. The problem that I have with this, though, is one word, and it starts with an M. It's motivation. Motivation you cannot prove. You can't prove motivation, okay? Motivation is merely, like, to me, this fucking chemical response that happens in your head that says... I'm excited. I should fucking do. You can prove discipline. And the discipline in that is doing something you don't like in a manner that you love it. And I think Mike Tyson said that. Yeah. 
Repetitively. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. You have to say yeah, it like Mike that. Tyson. Discipline <laughs> and motivation. <Yes>. Repetitively. <laughs> <laughs> and you cannot prove motivation, right? You can't prove that to yourself. It's a fucking feeling. But if you write down the discipline, I got up today, and you write that for 365 fucking times throughout the year, you did something 365 times that year. You got up out of that bed. You go to the next year. I went to work with a positive perspective, a positive mindset. I did that. Yeah. How many times do we work a year? Yeah. Enough. Okay, cool. You're going to make this calculator. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay. But that's a second goal. You can prove that. Literally writing that down. Literally. And there's a reward. There's an end reward in all of that discipline. Just the same discipline that it took me to figure out how to do this podcast. How to right. organize and herd cats to get the four of you fuckers to come here is discipline in itself and within you guys. Because, sure. Right. But that is the core of that. And oh God, it, that, you're on to something, well, Mike, mm -hmm. right? Like, right? Yeah, let's if expand we, on that because that's... If, if we accounted for the positivity that we fucking in, like, implement, right? Like, um, I went to, to work for one year without missing a fucking sick day or taking a pers personal day. I helped 124 people this year alone. Right. If that was what we fucking looked at, Instead of like monumental oh success, yes. Instead of two hundred and sixty-five people did not change their ways, and uh, we we had to return to that call three hundred and sixty-five mm -hmm. times, right? Like if we helped one hundred and twenty-four people change their lives, and we did better, right? And they they stopped calling nine one one that many times like then we did our job yeah it's a mindset that, yeah yeah it's a, it's mindset. a mindset i guess that like you're, you're absolutely right that that is a huge thing right and that's something that's that's <laughs> man it, i just had this discussion not not too long ago with a couple of different individuals but that mindset of re repetitively making sure that those positives are being pushed out there it's i haven't like one of the examples i like to give is you have you have two dogs right right one of them is that negative intent and the other one is a positive, right? If you feed, if you feed, which one are you feeding, right? If you feed yeah. the one with negative intent continuously, that one's going to grow stronger. It's going to be more productive. You're going to have a better outcome, right? If you feed the one that's positive, then absolutely, that one's going to flourish, right? It's not going to be malnourished. You're going to have so much more positive outcome. Which one are you feeding? Which one do you choose to feed every single day? Sure. Right? And, yeah. and you're absolutely right. Like, Am I gonna am I gonna allow this negativity to envelop me and continually bring me down? And uh, am I gonna live in that kind of an aspect? Am I gonna live? Am I gonna that, live in that negative in aspect? That Are we gonna continually, you know, live in that kind of a, a situation? Um, ultimately, again, it's a mindset, right? We train ourselves to make sure that we're we're the most positive, the best versions of ourselves moving forward. It just depends on which one you're feeding and moving forward. I mean. It's, so one of the, the individuals that we've talked to uh, expressed a little bit of, of the EMDR treatment that they've received, right? And EMDR is is essentially remapping of the mind. Yeah, right? I, yeah. And, I'm waiting and, to do that. And it's 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 already proven to be extremely um, great outcomes with that, right? It's just remapping the mind. We can do that to a certain aspect, right? If we are able to 
if we're able to do that, you know, to, to minor in, uh, situations, of course, some things are going to need some therapy and therapy is okay. It's not taboo. It's not shameful. It's not anything that has been, um, pushed on it for, for years. Right. I think we're more accepting of that. So having those bigger situations you can't handle on your own or can't sort through on your own. Um, it's okay to, to seek therapy, to seek these, um, um, these amazing treatments that are going to ultimately help us. Right. But it's all comes back down to what is your mindset? What is your mindset day by day? How do you, how do you equip yourself to handle these situations? Um, don't mask them, change the things that you have ability to change, um, and, and work on those things. But yeah, um, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with yeah. those things. But well, this is all good stuff, guys. <clears throat> um, I know we're heading into like two hours, but this is probably like one of several more episodes of, uh, I think we'll call this gentleman's hour. This one we'll call gentleman and lady hour since Jenny had a little input in this. Yeah. Um, but I really want to thank you guys for coming and spending time with us. Um, I know we just did this list and, uh, talked about some things surrounding this list. And if you haven't go to my Facebook page, um, and there's an entire list of things where we ran down. Again, this was like partially Paul's idea to partially mine. Um, but I do really want to thank you guys um, for sitting in on this. So if anybody has any last things, any last closing things? I just want to reiterate that from my perspective, I think that the thing that defines um, an older fireman is you can't just steamroll your way through everything like... Um, like we used to when we first got in the fire department, you know, V taper, 30 inch waist. I know Lucio still has one, but whatever. That's another uh, discussion with, with taking care of yourself and sleep and the detriment of. Yes, that's the right. Schedule. But anyway. But, um, and in the end, when you, uh, you got to finesse your way through 20 years of the fire service and your body starts breaking down. 25 now. 25 now. And we see a lot of pain and suffering. Nobody's going to say that we don't. We watch, uh, we see people that get old every day. We, we pick them up, we help them. And as a result, oh, many firemen, myself included, fear what it, what it means to get old. Um, and, but you have, to, you have to find your peace with all of this. It, you have to find your peace with, with uh, getting older. You have to find your peace with the things that you've seen. You have to find your peace with the people that you you weren't able to help. You have to focus on the good things, which is what you guys were talking about earlier. Um, and you have to you have to have a good way of processing all of this, um, so that in the end, when you go home, um, you uh, you're you're able to live your life outside of work. Work is not everything, and um, and 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 just be a person. There's more than your just, fucking khakis. Uh, yeah, more than your khakis. More than your khakis. <laughs> I, you're saying that because I probably said that before. Well, it's from Fight Club. Yep. And yeah. you got it. Yeah. yeah, it's from Fight Club, and you have said that before. Much along the my favorite fucking line that you've said about perceived value, which I explained to Thomas earlier, Paul. We'll yeah. talk about that later on when we hit great the relationship story. part. Yeah. yeah, it was a great fucking story. But um, but perceived value is like even one of those things that you were talking about <laughs> earlier. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> All right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. 100% absolutely. 
We'll talk about that for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know we. Oh, I know we can. No, we can do that different podcast. Yeah, no, not. I don't even want to throw it out there. But uh, anyway, guys, and one last thing. Um, I know the last episode I had also mentioned that uh, one of the reasons Nikki wasn't here to uh, do this, besides the fact that um, I just kind of wanted to have all the guys here. Um, she did pass her first round of driver testing, of alternate driver testing. So good job, Nikki. Good job. And yeah, she'll be back next time. So um, for hopefully childhood part two. Um, so anyway, check us out on Apple um, and Spotify, guys. Before I rudely interrupted everybody else and had a closing thing, go ahead, Lucio, hit it. Yeah, it's just closing statements on, on all of this. Um, one of the ones that I wanted to talk about was number eight. If you find someone smarter than you, work with them. Don't compete with with them. Um, there's a lot of things on that. And I think it's just, it kind of envelops this entire thing is, is people have life, uh, experiences, lived experiences, uh, work experiences, um, lean on those individuals, learn what you can from them in the fire service. And, and personally, those are huge. Those are huge. Um, yeah, beyond, beyond the kitchen table, kitchen table is an amazing thing, but, um, lean on them and, and build a different culture, right? Build the life that you want to build, um, not only in the fire service, but your personal life. Everybody's gone through something. You, you think you're going through it alone. That's not the case. Everybody's been there before. Everybody's been through uh, a level of what you've been through. So just understand that you're not alone in any of this stuff. So lean on the individuals that are there. We are a family and, uh, and take that to heart. Like really reach out to individuals. Um, that you feel comfortable with to reach out to peer support, that kind of stuff, because that really, that really, uh, that really makes a difference. I learned a lot from probies too, coming through. Um, it helped me to develop me as, as I am. And those individuals know who they are. You know, they had a lot to offer. They have a lot of, you know, life experience, or they just had some knowledge to, to share. So it doesn't matter where it comes from. Just, you're always learning. You're always evolving take that as a learned experience and, and continue moving forward. But that's all I really wanted to say for close. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, thanks guys. I know we talked about a younger generation. I know I harped on that a little bit. I love you all. Like Lucio said that he's learned some stuff. I've learned patience. If anything that you guys have ever taught me was that I'm in the point of an instructor for 48 hours. I'm a, uh, uh, what do you call it? peer support? No, you know the FTO. No, not even mm -hmm. FTO. What is the um, daddy? Like they're my protege. I'm the pimp daddy. Pimp daddy. Yeah, I'm the pimp senior firefighter. Senior firefighter. I like pimp daddy. Better. Yeah. We're gonna go with pimp daddy. Silky smooth, Mike. Mm -hmm. um, you guys are wonderful. You guys are on the right track. But do not discredit the things that the senior guys take. Even from my my 18 years in, I've learned so much. So much that soon's going to come the day to where the most senior, where the senior guy that I knew is going to be like that last guy that leaves, and that's that's a, a very big end to a lot of my learning experience. And I'm not saying that I know it all. I know a lot, but I don't know it all. Mm -hmm. And so, pay very close attention to all these different perspectives that people have. One based on your emotional health, your mental health, how you react, the perspectives that you have in life and the skill set that you're carrying out on, on your day-to-day -day job. It's so important to, to have that diversity, guys. Um, so, uh, And I would just like to um, add that Mike and Nikki are doing like a service 
for this community that um, brings so much enlightenment to what we do and um, the commitment that we have to this job and uh, every call that we run affects our lives in some form or fashion. It's important to um, understand how that affects your yourself and your family and your kids and in the long term yourself and your your own health and, and so it's really important to like reach out and find the trust in your peer support and to be able to talk to each other and get this stuff off your shoulders and understand that each call that we run adds a pebble to your bucket. Yeah. So Mike, thank you and Nikki for what you do no, for this No community. problem. Yeah, thanks, Mike. No yeah. problem, guys. It's a hit or miss sometimes, but we're trying to work out the kinks. <laughs> Not the kinkiness, the kinks. It's the kinks. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you.